Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. Yeah, as we continue through Declare, our key verse for this entire uh, month so far has been Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of what? Life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So we have the opportunity to speak either life or death. We have a choice each and every day during each and every conversation, even when we're by ourselves and how we're speaking about ourselves when we're by ourselves. God's word provides us. And if you have listened to even half of the daily sessions, you will see verse after verse after verse talking about the importance of our words, the importance of our belief system and our trust in him, the importance of confessing and repenting against negativity and criticism and all those different things uh, for the importance of what our words actually have. So, so far, during Declare on Sunday mornings, we've talked about the importance of our words and the effect that negative words could have had on ourselves and on others that we've spoken. Also, the difference between prayer, commands, and declarations. Each one of these things is an important part of our spoken word in Christ. During these daily sessions, we've gone through at noon and seven, things about attributes of God and the importance of praying in tongues, repenting of negativity and criticism, declaring our identity, renewing our minds, speaking in faith. If you've followed, you will know that each one of these sessions, even though they're taught by different people, have built on one another all the way up until this point. And uh, Pastor Adam and I have already talked about after Declares Over is packaging this together. So you have the three, uh, four Sunday services plus the 15 daily teachings, if you'd like uh, that for your uh, toolbox uh, as you grow in the Lord. This week coming up, we're going to be talking about speaking the truth in love. We're going to be talking about godly conflict resolution. We're going to be talking about declaring healing, the power of encouragement, and the very last day on Friday is love, which is the main ingredient. So these sessions, they're on live stream, and they're archived. They're at noon and seven live here at the sanctuary. I would encourage you to get here. If you haven't fasted yet, you're a part of Essentials Family, and you understand what spiritual fasting is, I would encourage you to take just even one meal, one day, and spend extra time praying and say, God, I declare today that my flesh is not going to run me. My flesh is not going to control me or lead the way. I'm giving the Holy Spirit leadership once again to to slow down those desires and those hungers that my flesh asks for so I can reconnect with God in a greater way. There's nothing you have to lose in doing this but a few pounds. Amen? So why not lose a few pounds and seek God and receive a reward, the breakthrough that you've been seeking? Say amen. 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 So we're called to speak life. We're called to speak hope. We're called to speak encouragement. Christians are supposed to be known as the most encouraging people on the face of this earth. It shouldn't be the the pop speaker or the singer. It shouldn't be the person that's just popular because they've sold a lot of, uh, uh, of albums or anything else. We as believers should be known as the most encouraging people on the face of this earth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, the Bible says, I'm not going to read it, but the Bible says that God reconciled the world to him. And then it goes on to say, and he gave us the message of reconciliation. So as God is his heart for people to be reconciled back to him through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't speak forth anymore across the earth. We have his word and he has his children. So the more we surrender our voices to him, 
He's given us the message to preach through conversations, not just from a pulpit. This is like 1% of the Christian life. It's through our daily conversations. It's through our interactions with people that we get to share this message of reconciliation. So think about this. If we understand the importance of the message that we've been given, God has given us the responsibility to share the power of the cross and the message of the kingdom of God so that people would be reconciled back to their creator. So if we understand the importance of that, what type of a witness are we when we are complaining and moaning and judging and criticizing? That would be a great answer. Zero. Do they want what we have if we're judging other people and criticizing people the same way the rest of the world does? Absolutely not. If we're caught up in the same water cooler conversation that everybody else is caught up in, then we're no different than them. So they don't want our message. They don't want to hear it when we're talking about Jesus if we're not living it the rest of our lives. So we've been given this message of reconciliation. Part of that is to be known as one of the most encouraging people that other people that you interact with know. Two things I want to go over, two aspects I want to go over. You can write them down, and I'll explain them as we go. I believe we're called to be two types of people. Number one, hope detectives. Number two, gold miners. Hope detectives and gold miners. I believe that we can accomplish these things on a daily basis, get it a part of our lifestyle, that we can actually be an answer to someone else's prayer. A lot of times when we pray, especially during a fast, we're praying about things that we need, right? Breakthrough that we want, things in our own personal lives. But what if we got our eyes off of ourselves and, and actually started saying, God, show me hope in someone else's life. Show me gold in someone else's life today. Father, my prayer is that I would be an answer to someone else's prayer today. What if we started approaching our day that way? How much less criticism would come out of our mouths. How many less bad things and wrong things, and they did this to me, and this happened to me. How many less things would cross our mind if we were actually just looking through the grid of our day saying, whose prayer can I be an answer to through the leading of the Holy Spirit today? So by Hope Detectives, I mean this, is that we have the opportunity to search the evidence of people's lives until we find a piece of evidence that represents hope represents positivity. There are so many people, Christians and non-Christians alike, that look at themselves so much lower than God has a value for them. They criticize themselves, talk down on themselves. They can't do this. They're never going to do that. We have the opportunity with the message of reconciliation to look for evidence of hope, look for a strength, look for a gifting, look for something positive in their life until the Lord reveals it to you and then speak that forth. It could be through encouragement. It could be through instruction. It could be through what we did today. There's two fasting testimonies. There's some, maybe some of you are having a difficult time with that. Let the Lord show you someone in your life that might be struggling with fasting and point out a testimony of two women who wrote these things that found victory in it. Somebody who needs healing with Joanne's testimony. All these are the testimonies that we're reading. All these things can bring hope to people's lives. 
Another good way to speak hope and to, to be a detective of hope is to speak the promises of God over people's lives. So what are the promises of God? There's no special book that's going to line these things all up. It's as you learn God's word and as you see his activity in other people's lives across the pages of this book, ask the Lord to bring those things back up into your memory when somebody around you is discouraged and broken and doesn't know what to do next. Are you following me? So the more word we get in us, then we can say, you know, I actually see that you are this type of person. I feel like that this is a strength of yours, and I know that God's going to provide it because I saw him do it in Peter's life. I saw him do it in Paul's life, and da-da-da-da-da. Maybe you don't know the scripture verse and reference off by heart, but the more you're learning God's word and the more you're seeing his activity and how he, he works hope upon hope upon hope in people's lives, we can speak those things into their life. I actually believe that speaking hope into people's lives and being detectives of hope and finding those pieces, those positive attributes, those skills and strengths, that's always going to bear more fruit than negativity. 100% of the time. Nobody else needs more of their mistakes pointed out to them. Like, who else needs that? I'm, I'm good at pointing out my mistakes on myself. What the world needs, what, what people who don't know Jesus need are people who are not perfect and don't have it all together all the time, but don't have their own joy. They have the Lord's joy. And then that can speak something filled with hope over their lives to point out something that they're doing well so they can put their eyes back on God, maybe on God for the very first time and realize, wait a minute, I thought God was this big. But as you're encouraging me, and as you're showing me examples from his, his word, I now realize he's this big. And maybe the next day he'll be this big. And maybe the Lord will give you words to speak over them at night and pray over them. And maybe the next morning it'll be this big. So what we're doing is we're searching for these things. So before we speak, what you do is you listen, right? You listen for what they're saying. Listen for where they are in their life. Listen for their accomplishments, things that they've done in their life. And then ask the Lord, where is one aspect of hope that I can speak to in this person's life? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are already doing. So we're called to encourage one another. Believers are meant to actually find ways to do this. Do you know this does not come automatic? Right? Like when you're tired and you're frustrated you're hungry, and you have other problems going on in your life, it's not easy to point out an area to encourage someone else. But we're filled with the Spirit of God. If we have the Spirit of God in us that Jesus had in him, we can do this. Paul even commands it, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. So to encourage means to inspire courage. So think about that. If we're encouraging someone, it's in an area of their life where they may not have courage to move on. They may not have courage to have faith. They may not have courage to seek the Lord. So you're, you're finding an intentional way through prayer to inspire courage. I won't go over them today. Maybe we'll go through them sometime on a Sunday or as a series. But there are many one another's throughout the New Testament. So we're called, we're wired by God to be there for one another. There's verses that say we should support one another, to encourage one another, to fellowship with one another, to pray with one another, to care for one another, to serve one another. 
These all include how we are speaking to each other. So the more we can ask the Lord to give us words filled with hope for other people, the less critical we'll be about ourselves, the less judgmental we'll be about other people because we will look at ourselves as actually being detectives, searching for evidence of hope in people's lives until the Lord tells us to release it. Please do not wait for the big boom. Please do not wait for the glory cloud to settle. Please do not wait for heat to come in or electricity right? You see an aspect of hope. You see a strength. Find something to encourage somebody with. How can I build this person up today? It's that simple. In Ephesians 4.29, I just want to break down this verse for you quickly. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The first phrase there, no unwholesome talk. Unwholesome means unsound, damaged, useless. So to be people who are trying to speak God-centered, life-giving words, we must be willing to confess and repent of our unwholesome talk, right? To go to the Lord and say, I messed up big time. I spoke things that broke somebody down and didn't build them up. I spoke something that was unwholesome, that damaged, that was useless, And the more that the Lord catches us when we say those things and then we confess out loud that we've said them and repent, that's how soft and sensitive our heart will remain to the Lord. What happens is if we say those things and we're cutting people with our words and we're not confessing them and repenting to them, then our heart is going to get harder and harder until we don't even realize when we're doing it. So if the Lord, when the Holy Spirit reminds you and brings up something, a phrase, a word, whatever that you said that was unwholesome, confess it, repent it, and then move on with help from the Lord. The next phrase says to speak what is helpful. Like another way to say that our tongue has the power of life and death is our tongue has the power to speak things that are helpful or hurtful. Like there's not too many words that are neutral. Like you can't just go around and say and, ah, of, it. Those are, those are pretty neutral. But throughout the rest of our conversations, we're either helping situations or we're hurting. We're either helping people or we're hurting. So when it's saying here, that we actually want to speak something that is helpful for their situation, find out where God wants to have them encouraged, to, inspire, to be inspired with courage, and then speak to that situation. You're listening to them and listening to the Lord at the same time and then speaking out in faith. The next phrase there says, building others up. So don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for doing what? Building others up. Think about when you're building something. If you're trying to build, you're adding the needed materials to create a desired structure. So if we can sense, if we know that God has a purpose and a destiny for every single person on the face of this earth, whether they're following God right now or not, can we admit to that? Right? Nobody's a mistake. It's impossible for somebody to be here without God first creating them. So if God chose to create them, then he has a purpose for their lives. He has a destiny for their lives. He has something that he wants to work in them for their own good, to be in a relationship, and then for the benefit of other people. So if we realize that, then even if somebody appears to be way down on the floor, and we can picture what God wants to do in their life, picture that God wants to build them up to maybe this level, then we start doing something that's going to build up their soul, build up their spirit. So you're saying what's helpful for the purpose of adding building material upon building material upon building material until you can see their hope arise. 
If what you're saying is discouraging them and breaking them down, then we need to go back to the drawing board, go back to your heavenly father and start asking, what can I do that's gonna be helpful for the purpose of building them up closer to the purpose you have for their lives? And then that last phrase there, or next last phrase I'm gonna talk about, says, according to their needs. Like, have you ever talked to someone and they're encouraging you in a way that's like nowhere even near that's relevant to your life? Like, you might be talking to them about like a need that you have over here, and, you're, and they're like, you're just the most awesome person in the world. Like, you rock at this and this, and you're like, this is flattery right now. So I'm not talking about flattery. I'm talking about sincere, heartfelt words. So don't just go up to people and like, you don't, you don't have to have like five happy phrases, you know, on a note card and like, okay, I'm going to give this one number one and her number three. And this, these are my phrases for the day. Absolutely not. Listen to where their needs are. Ask the Lord, let me, God, let me search. Help me to find evidence of hope. Help me to find evidence of a strength they have. Help me find evidence of a gifting that they have. And then address that need with your comments. Don't flatter people. Don't just talk way off here. Zone in with where their conversation is right now, with where their needs are, and then address those things according to their needs. Next phrase there, it says that they may benefit to those who listen. So it's just simply asking ourselves this, is there fruit of my words in other people's lives? If you ask yourself that question, is there fruit in other people's lives, because of the words that I speak to them that, are, that God's leading me to speak. If there's fruit, then we'll know that our words are benefiting those who listen. If we don't see fruit in people's lives, like if nobody has ever come back to encourage you to say, hey, listen, that really encouraged me. That really built me up. I really appreciate your prayer. Thanks for contacting me. Thanks for the card. I really appreciate that phone call. It met me where I was. If nobody's saying that to you, then you know, we're not doing it for the recognition. We're just looking for fruit. If we don't see that fruit, then just ask the Lord to give us a heart of encouragement. That's all. This isn't to make you feel bad or to drive you down further. It's to say, God, would you do what only you can do through your word to help me encourage other people and lift them up. You with me? All right, all right. I'm gonna go through one other section here. So not just hope detectives, but also gold miners. I'm gonna grab a drink of water real quick. So what do gold miners do? They work very, yeah, they mine gold. Good job, guys. <laughs> like, this is the easiest question of the day. I'm getting this one right. <laughs> gold miners work very, very hard to dig through what? The dirt, cut through the clay, and chisel through rock with one purpose in mind, to find gold. Okay? All of their work is not on the gold. Once the gold is found, they're there. Now they pass it off to someone else to wash off the gold and to, you know, get it together. What their job is, is to dig through that muck and the mire and then to actually find that shiny piece of gold. So mining for gold in spiritual terms means this, is that you are simply going to search for something valuable underneath the, per underneath the surface of someone's life that, that cannot be seen by man until uncovered by God. So though we are the gold miners, he is the one doing the mining right alongside of us, or we're doing it alongside of him would be a better way to say it. There is so much gold, spiritual gold, hidden in people's spirits and souls and minds that they do not know, that we do not know exists. And sometimes God has somebody else come 
alongside of that person to speak that gold out, to say, I'm going to search for this gold. Similar to the evidence, but the evidence... The evidence at a crime scene, it's there already. You just have to find it, right? It's usually invisible sight. Gold is something that is locked up inside of them. It might be a calling. It might be a gifting. It might be an anointing. It might be something God has for them in the next season of life that they don't even know exists, or maybe they've thought it through because the Holy Spirit's telling them it, but they're not going to admit it openly. So when God has somebody else come alongside and say, you know what? I see this in your life. I believe the Lord is saying this over you. Hey, can I share something that I received in prayer time? I was praying today, and God whispered this phrase, you know, about your life. Can I share it with you? All those things are gold mining. You're taking out the pure gold of God in somebody's life, and you're speaking. The mine, this mining for gold comes through a word. It's called prophecy, okay? Prophecy is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. It's a spiritual gift, but it's not a spiritual gift just for elite Christians that have been, you know, believers for so many years. The Bible also says in 1 Corinthians 14 that all can prophesy. Now, when we speak the promises of God, that comes from learning God's word, okay? The more word we know, the more promises we can speak over people's life. When we speak prophecy, that comes from learning God's voice that aligns with his word. There's a difference. God can speak to you through reading the word. He does it often, okay? But oftentimes when you're in general conversation with somebody and he brings a thought, an idea, an impression, a download, whatever you want to call it, it's his voice speaking to you. But he will never give you something to speak to somebody else that's pulling out that gold that is in contradiction to this word. Is that clear? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So there's one manifestation of one Holy Spirit. It's for the common good, though he works in different ways through our lives. He says, to one is given through a spirit of a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy to another distinguishing of, between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and another interpretation of tongues. All these are work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So this one word prophecy here I wanna to talk to you about because it is, it's a vocal gift given to us by the Holy Spirit that enables us to speak something supernaturally. Again, you don't have to wait for a booming voice or a cloud to settle or all the fuzzy feelings that we think are going to happen. It could be a very slight thought that comes across your mind that you would not have thought on your own that helps reveal the gold in somebody else's life. I do wanna say this, I think that there's a misunderstanding about the prophetic gift in the church. There is a difference between being a church where prophecies are given and a church where there's a prophetic culture in the people. Okay, there's a big difference actually because in a church where prophecies are given, that means there's two or three prophets of the Lord and they'll come up and they'll share the message and they get the microphone and there's nothing wrong with that. That's godly. Paul lays out how it should happen in scripture. But I think that we would fail miserably if we stopped there. Because then do you know what the other 350 people think? Well, those three have the gift of prophecy. And those three are the ones that are allowed to prophesy. And those, God speaks to them special. No, 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 no. He might download on them more often than you a message for the entire congregation. But the Bible says that you may all prophesy one by one that there would be instruction and encouragement and building up. 
You have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So we have to believe that the Holy Spirit can give you information, wisdom about a person's life that you wouldn't know on your own for a specific purpose, to build them up, to speak life, to speak hope. You're speaking God's words through your words. You can prophesy. We have over-spiritualized this, yet though it is super spiritual, we're waiting for this spiritual environment, this, this, like I said before, like this big thing to happen. Instead of saying, God, just whisper to me something that can reveal gold in their life today. I, it was really weird. Several years ago, I would get, and I, I believe words of knowledge and words of wisdom, I think the translation I used said message of knowledge and message of wisdom. They serve different purposes, but I believe they're both prophetic also. Because it's something helping somebody in a certain situation, either knowledge about their life or a situation, a past abuse, a past difficulty in their life, or it's wisdom on how to move forward. I believe that's all prophetic, okay? Uh, several years ago, when I would get an idea about someone's life, I would ask myself, like, would I have had that idea on my own? No way. Am I nervous that I'm about to share this with somebody? Yeah, way. Am I going to do it? Most of the time, yeah. Sometimes I didn't. <laughs> But I used to feel it here. It was weird. Like he would give me an idea about a person and I would feel it here. So I always thought, okay, well, the Holy Spirit's in the center of your body and fills you up and all that stuff. And now it's a fleeting uh, thought that comes in and out. I don't know why he changed the way he communicates, uh, you know, as I've matured in the Lord. But it's like, it's not gonna stay and like just hammer home. It's not gonna force me to go tell them. It's a fleeting thought that I wouldn't have had about a person or a situation, and then it's gone. I have the choice whether to obey and take the risk or not. We can be sure of this. You will never operate in a prophetic word if you don't ever give a prophetic word. And I'm not talking at all about on a microphone in front of a crowd right now. I'm talking about you as a believer trusting the Holy Spirit living in you, the same one that lived in Jesus, to speak to you about a situation in a person's life, not so you know more, but so that you can speak life to that situation. So prophecy, very simply, it's the gift of interpreting God's divine will or purpose and the ability to declare it. Pretty simple. Now that word interpreting, it doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out. It just means the thought, the download, the vision, the impression, the dream that you had last night that you're like, whoa, where did that come from? All those things can culminate to God speaking to you prophetically. And through that, it's just your ability to interpret what he said and speak forth what he said to whom he wants you to give it. So it's a supernatural utterance given by the Holy Spirit. It's something that we would not have come up on on our own. And it's a revelation from God with the purpose of edifying either the church as a whole or your small group or one individual or family. When you're in a conversation with someone, and you desire to speak in a way that adds value, that's what mining for gold is. You're saying, God, I want to take where somebody is, and I want to add value to their life. But I don't know how to do that in my own. I, I've looked for evidence of hope, and I've spoken to that. But now I'm just asking, if you have anything that you want to say to them that I would not think of in my own natural mind, would you share that with me? And I'll be faithful to share that with them. And I'll tell you, healing comes easier through the prophetic deliverance and inner healing, forgiveness of past abuses, people that were mean to you, people that may be sexually, emotionally, mentally abused. When somebody is broken, 
I mean, picture this now in the workplace, not even inside our church. Picture this in your workplace, in the middle of a store, in a restaurant this afternoon, if you're not fasting lunch on Sundays. Bad example during a fast, sorry. Everybody's like, oh, I wish I could be at a restaurant. No, if you're not fasting at lunch on Sundays, no big deal at all. And the Lord gives you something. You might get nervous. You might say, how am I supposed to speak this? What would happen if I do? What if they reject me? What if they're mad at me? What would happen if you're right? What would happen if God actually gave you a word to share with somebody and it was right to where they were? What if it's a waitress who was abused by her father when she was the age of five and you just say, you know, I, I, you know, this might sound awkward to you. It might be a little bit different, but I, I was just praying for you, you know, as you were grabbing a glass or whatever. And I just want to ask you if something, you know, difficult happened at the age of five. You don't have to tell me even what it is. I just feel like the Lord wants to, and you just start talking through conversationally. What if it works? What if it's actually God trying to bring deliverance to this woman so she forgives her father and can move closer to the purpose that God has for her? So instead of the, what if it doesn't, what if happens if this and this? No, 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 no. What if the good side actually works? What if his Holy Spirit still speaks prophetically through his church? And he absolutely does. And he absolutely wants to do it through you. You just need to give him permission to do it. The purpose of prophecy is this. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. It's pretty simple. Everyone who prophesies speaks to men or women for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Sounds a whole lot like hope detectives, right? It's just now a supernatural utterance, not something you would have thought of in your own mind. That word strengthening, it's kind of funny here. It actually, the Greek word for strengthening actually means the act of building a home. Very similar to what we already talked about in encouragement. It's used figuratively throughout the New Testament for spiritual edification. So we're building a home in a person's life as we prophesy. It encourages. The Greek word for encourages means calls to one side, a calling near, an invitation. That Greek word here for for encourages is very close to the word for comforts in regards to the Holy Spirit, when it talks about the Holy Spirit being our comforter. So when we're encouraging someone, we're saying, I'm calling you not to my side, right? You don't share a word and say, come closer to me. Follow me. No, you're calling one. You're inviting them to come closer to the heart of God for their life whenever you speak. They might thank you. They might send you a card. They might say, that was awesome. How did you do that? That's all fine. You receive their encouragement. Take the crown of honor upon yourself. When you get alone with God, set the crown back down at his feet. Because if you say, no, 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 it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was just God. Then you're not actually teaching them that they could do the same thing one day. Right? So you want, to receive, you want to receive thanksgiving and honor. Let them use their gift of encouragement back to you and then just lay that down at your heavenly Father's feet when you're alone and say, God, without you, I couldn't have done any of this. I would have failed miserably. I lay this down at your feet. That crown's yours where it belongs in the first place. And then you listen to the Lord for the next conversation. Amen. The last phrase there, it says it comforts. So it strengthens, it encourages and it comforts. The Greek word here for comforts means to speak near or close to someone with soothing and consoling words. It carries even a greater degree of tenderness than the word comforter. So prophecy is not supposed to be critical or harsh. 
though it can be a rebuke at times. But it always will lead to strengthening somebody, encouraging somebody, and comforting someone. Let me encourage you. I've heard testimonies. It's happened to me just a few times. Usually he just gives me the, the, like the, the answer or the portion of hope to speak over people's lives. But I've heard testimonies when people began to listen to the Holy Spirit and just say, just speak to me about anyone that you want to, that I can help encourage. I can help build up. I've read testimonies about, or people's lives about, that uh, the Lord will start showing them either demonic activity in people's lives or addictions in people's lives and like the sin that's in their life. I read about one specific minister that would start calling these things out. And he would like walk up to somebody and say, hey, the Lord's showing me that you're addicted to drugs and da, 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 da. And doesn't have any solution. And that doesn't encourage. It doesn't strengthen. It doesn't comfort to just do that. So my encouragement to you is, is if he's showing you something, if he's showing you a rebuke or a correction to somebody within the church that you know, I would not rebuke and correct people that aren't even in the church. They're living like they are because that's just the values that they have. We don't, we don't judge and criticize people that don't know the Lord. Are you with me? But if the Lord's showing you something that is an issue in someone's life, will you just please take a moment in time to say, God, will you show me that solution now? Will you show me the goal? Don't, I don't want to stop at the dirt. It could be the Lord's choice to show you that so you are confident enough to go up and you can be quite sharp, in, in a, in, not in a critical way, but in an edifying way with your words. So just say, what's the solution to this? If you're not hearing anything and you hear this person, if you see like addiction, maybe you'll see a quick vision or a thought impression, addiction, drugs, I mean, it's super clear. Well, if he's not giving you anything after that, then you could be confident that the answer, the reason why he gave it is because he wants that person to be delivered from the addiction. Amen. So you can go up to them. Whether, if you don't know them, hey, you know, you don't know me. My name is Kurt. I'm a Christian, whatever. Um, I was just praying for you. I really feel like the Lord, you know, sometimes the Lord speaks to me through thoughts or impressions. And I really feel like the Lord just wants to bring you freedom in a certain area of your life. Does that resonate with your heart? Does that make sense to you? I feel like he wants to deliver you out of something that you're in. I don't want to, you know, get too close to your life. If you don't know them at all, you don't have to like press and press and press. Just begin to speak and then ask the, the, to pray for them. Because if it's true, and they realize, wow, this person that I don't even know, or maybe this person that sits across the, the congregation from me now knows something about my life that they would never have known, that has to be the Lord. Their heart is softened in that moment, and they'll receive prayer. So you pray that the Lord would break off and release that person of whatever is binding them. So this is what we do when we receive a, word, a prophetic word, or this is what should happen when you're giving one. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21, it talks about how to test prophecy. Verse 19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, holding on to what is good. Verse 22 says, Reject every kind of evil. So, don't quench the Holy Spirit. So whether you're giving one or receiving a word of encouragement, word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a prophetic word, whatever it is, we don't want to quench the Spirit, which means like squelch Him. We don't want to stop what He wants to do in each other's lives. We don't want to treat prophecies with contempt. We don't want to say, well, I don't do that type of Christianity. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not like our type of Christianity. It's not like we're a charismatic Pentecostal church. It's actually just in his Bible. It's in yours too. <laughs> so it says here, don't treat prophecies with contempt. But it says to test them all. Remember, the person that spoke to you has the Holy Spirit in them. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's in you also. So you have the ability through asking the Holy Spirit. 
to actually test them all, hold on to what's good, and then reject everything else. Now, when we think of the difference between New Testament prophets and Old Testament prophets, New Testament prophecies are tested. In the Old Testament, prophets of the Lord, when they spoke, it was the word of the Lord. And that has become our Bible. In New Testament prophecies, they're not speaking forth something that's ever going to become the Bible. We're flawed people. We're listening to the voice of the Lord and trying to share supernaturally what he wants to be shared. So in the Old Testament, when someone spoke, it was as if God was speaking. If they were wrong and it was a false prophecy, they would be stoned to death. Thank God that's not what we're supposed to do in the New Testament. Put your stones away. In the New Testament, it says that we're supposed to test all prophecies, hold on to what's good, reject the evil. So when somebody comes to you, and if, they would, if they're taking a risk, they're taking a leap of faith, and they share something, and you're testing that with your spirit, you're just saying, you know, yeah, I really do agree with this. I receive it in my heart. I pray it back to God. You know, you do whatever you want to do with this word in my life, but this other part, I don't even agree with. It's not, it doesn't resonate. Lord, show me if it's true. If he confirms later on, no, they missed it. You don't pick up a stone. What you do, you don't reject the prophet. You reject the prophecy. In the Old Testament, you reject the prophet and kill him. In the New Testament, you reject the prophecy or a portion of that prophecy, but you still love that person for taking the risk that they took. We're all growing in this. So some helpful reminders, and we'll close here. Very practical. If you want to begin either being a hope detective or someone who's gold mining, speaking prophetically. Number one, respond in faith, even in the midst of fear. Faith is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to like push past that fear and get to what God wants to do. Trust me, there have been times, plenty of times where my stomach is in knots, my hands are sweaty, my mouth starts to get dry and you still have to release it. You, got, you have to respond in faith even in fear. So ask yourself, God, is this really you? You can ask him. Is this really you that just sent that idea and that thought through my head? Dialogue with him. Number two, avoid statements that can bring reproach. I would always encourage people, especially out like in public, please do not go up to them and say, thus saith the Lord. You know, don't say, I know you have this condition because God told me so. Chill out. Watch your statements when you're talking with people. Be conversational. Be relational with them. I always encourage people to put a hedge around their words. Number three, put a hedge around your words. Now, based on your personality, you're going to do this differently for me. I'll say something like, I feel like the Lord wants me to share something with you. Or as I was praying, or even as I was worshiping, I, you know, I saw your face kind of cross my mind's eye. And I got this image or I got this phrase about you. Do you mind if I share something? Hey, can I talk to you for a second about something I feel like the Lord wants me to share? So I'm not coming at them saying, 110%, this is the Lord. You have to accept it. I'm remaining relational. So then they'll be comfortable enough dialoguing back and forth. Like, yeah, that really made sense. Or no, you like completely missed it. The more authoritative that you come at that thing, the less relational it is, and they won't connect with you if you did miss it, and you want to learn from it too. Number four, be yourself. Please avoid Christianese terms. You don't have to change your voice. You don't have to get a Southern draw. You don't have to go King James on them, right? Thou saith the Lord. If you read King James, you can quote King James. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is be yourself. Don't, you, don't, you don't have to, especially out in public, 
You don't have to like pull out the, the, the regeneration and you know, all, these different, all these different words. They're not going to have a clue what you're talking about. So connect with them in a way that you can. Number five, realize that you will miss it. You're not putting your faith in missing it. If you just get that out of the way, and this is like a daily dying to yourself. You're not, saying, you're not confessing to the Lord, hey, I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss it, or that wouldn't be a good use of our words. If you just realize, if you give yourself allowance to be a human being, and then if somebody rejects it, then you could say, Lord, I know I'm just a human being listening to the voice of the Lord. And number six is this, is check for accuracy and results. Don't be afraid to ask them, does this make sense to you? I'll often stop if I'm praying with somebody or I'm about to pray. Does this make sense to you? Is this resonating with your heart? If they're like, yeah, 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 you can go after it more aggressive. If they're like, not really. So, okay, well, let me just pray with you about this then take it to the Lord yourself and then see. If you know them personally because they're from the church, check in on them in a week or so. Ask them if they're still unpacking it or if they just completely dismissed it. And of course, if, out, if it's out in public, uh, you just have to let the Lord do what he wants to do in their lives. Why don't you stand? Miracles are happening during Declare. We're going to get out early. All right, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do something uh, supernatural in our hearts even right now. I pray that there would be a day in Washington County and then anywhere that, that this church travels to, I pray that there'd be a day that believers in this county, in this region, would be known as the most encouraging people in this region. That people would not be able to stop from growing in relationship and eventually going to the church where they attend because of the life that was flowing through our lips. So Father, we confess to you right now that sometimes we do speak unwholesome words and sometimes we criticize and judge. We confess it to you today. We repent of those things. We turn away from those things. And we believe, and we trust because of your word that you have a better way. You have a more godly way. You have a more holy way for us to use our words. So Father, by grace, by a work of your spirit, we ask you to give us not just words, but an attitude and a heart of encouragement. An attitude and a heart trusting that your Holy Spirit can speak in most natural ways and in the most supernatural ways, whether through it's just a simple kind word or whether it's through a prophetic word or a word of knowledge. We want to be used by you to build up and to strengthen and to give hope and to give life to other people that we interact with. So Father, I ask God even in these moments right now that you will shift our hearts, change our hearts, let something supernatural happen to our hearts first so that in Luke 6.45 would be true that out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth will speak. We trust that you're doing it because we're asking something according to your will. And we can be sure that we have what we ask for when we ask in the name of Jesus. So Father, be with us as we go from here today until we meet again. In your most precious name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.